The following audio may contain coarse language and other material that may not be suitable for a younger audience. Viewer discretion is advised. Also, we may spoil anything and everything, so you have been warned. I'm Trevor Flynn. And I'm Ben Haworth, and welcome to the Movie Gang Podcast. Uh, uh, quiet, intimate, but melancholy edition. I don't know. I don't know how to describe this film. I mean, I'm glad you uh, said oh, that instead film. of like melancholy white boy edition. You could have said that. So at least. I could have. I could have. Yeah. This is white boy summer. White boy summer is uh, uh, now uh, I melancholy, but uh, catchy. Now it's out there. I regret everything. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Look, Chet Hanks, the great... Tom Hanks's great son, uh, man, uh, coined it. So we must follow. Didn't he used to act? He used to act, right? Does Tom Hanks have another son? He has two sons. Yeah, that's the funny thing is Tom Hanks has one son that is exactly like Tom Hanks. He looks like a lot, like a like a, a little more of a, a a thinner faced Tom Hanks. Yeah. Um, Colin Hanks, and then there's also Chet Hanks, who looks nothing like Tom Hanks. Is a big beefy bim, himbo, <laughs> is what they call it. Um, and uh, he's uh, he looks like he'd be a terrible human being, but he's actually like a really charming, nice person. Mm. He still has that Tom Hanks energy. He just looks like an alpha bro, yeah. Chad type. It's very funny. Yeah, I'd never heard of him until this year. I guess that's why I was confused. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, he he broke the news about Tom Hanks's uh, uh, COVID diagnosis. That's right. I don't know if you remember this? That's right. He did oh, yes. do that. <laughs> Yes. Say, uh, he was like shirtless and he's like, hey, y'all, my dad, he's all right. And it's like, this is a weird reality. <laughs> yeah. Which uh, I think perfectly times into uh, a, a film that is made about the weird reality we lived in, especially last year. Uh, it is called Bo Burnham's Inside. Uh, technically kind of listed as a uh, comedy special, but it has more lots of music and lots of um, also sketches and interesting little thoughts and everything. Um, I think the best way to describe it is just kind of describe how it was made because it is kind of a, a scattershot bit of uh, a lot. So first off, if you don't know who Bo Burnham is, he's a um, popular uh, comedic songwriter and director. He got famous on YouTube, um, kind of at the beginning of YouTube, and uh, has been having a steady, good career since then. Um, but uh, after his big special, uh, which I think was called... Make Happy, I think was his last special that was on mm-hmm. Netflix. A very uh, impressive, he's he's very like technically advanced uh, person. He just kind of stopped and he directed a film, Eighth Grade, which I really like. And he's acted a little bit in there, but he hasn't done comedy since. And uh, as he reveals in this, this is because he started having panic attacks and really bad anxiety. And uh, just kind of retreated from all that to kind of work on his mental health. Um, and then right before he decided to go out on stage again and thought maybe it's finally time. To make a new special, uh, the COVID pandemic hit and he was stuck inside. So instead of uh, doing what we all did, or not what we all did, but what many of us did, where we said, I'm going to do that passion project I've always wanted to do, and then end up just streaming a lot of Netflix, he actually made it um, for Netflix. (laughs) And it's called Inside. It is directed, written, starring, done, cinematography. Every single thing was done solely uh, by him. All the music, all the lighting effects, and the entire thing takes place in one room of his house um, to kind of symbolize the whole being stuck inside during the uh, COVID pandemic, especially uh, 
the the, the height of lockdown uh, made over a year kind of sporadically and then just dropped on Netflix uh, with with only a little bit of a uh, press, um, but almost no kind of forewarning ahead of time. No one really knew he was working on this besides like close personal friends. You just kind of dropped it. And uh, it's been getting really, really good reviews. Um, and it is something rather interesting. So I'm excited to talk about it. Um, but we'll start with you, Trevor. I'm curious if you had any kind of previous experience with Bo Burnham and um, what you kind of overall thought of this thing, which is hard to define. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is a film. Um, I, I think. Thank you. I agree. Yeah. It, <laughs> this, uh, so that's that's out of the way. <laughs> I, I do think of it a lot in terms of an album, too. I think the songs are just so catchy that I think it's helpful to think of it as a musical performance too. Um, and, and he has released an album. They waited a week. They, they had a kind of, I guess, a deal where it was a week on Netflix solely. And then he, he does have an album now out on the usual streaming stuff. So you can mm-hmm. listen to just the songs if you like. And I've listened to just the songs uh, enough that I'm now sick of the songs, but uh, <laughs> I still like them. Yeah. They're very much still stuck in my head. I have never seen any of him before. I've heard a lot about him. Um, one of the, Pop philosophy channels I like a lot. Wisecrack has had some couple of videos about him. Uh, somebody I've always kind of meant to get into. Uh, I think I might get into him now. I really enjoyed this. I don't know if you remember or if, like you listen to like a lot of pop culture podcasts. Like I, I heard this a lot of times at the beginning of the pandemic. That uh, yeah, this is going to be a tough time, but we could get some really interesting art out of all this. <laughs> and uh, yes. I, I I think this might be one of those things. You know, I think um, the most uh, valuable thing about it to me too is it is very much about like the pandemic and the anxiety of the pandemic, but it's also, at least for me, kind of like as with the pandemic in real life, kind of uh, forcing us to like bring a lot of, larger social cultural issues to head all at the same time. I think it, it kind of uh, does that in terms of how he uh, reckons with like online culture and the welcome to the internet number and all that. It's kind of stuff that's all like been going on for a long time that then once you're like mm-hmm. alone in a room with just the internet, uh, it, it makes sense that you would have this, it's, uh, this really satirical, really focused, uh, not focused. This, this film is anything but focused, uh, but this, this, this real, uh, take on it, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I think that's why it kind of is the ultimate 2020 movie for me in some sense is just because it is about that. It's COVID's around, but it's not even barely mentioned yeah. in fact i don't even know if he says the word ever i don't think he does um, yeah. yeah it's all kind of implied and part of it but it is a lot about like you know there's there's reckonings with history there's reckonings with the internet and culture it's also just very funny like <laughs> as much as we are going to talk about the headier elements of it it is a, it is like he has a whole tribute to sexting that is just very funny and is just that, an inherently just kind of is that where i'm curious is that where you like started laughing because like the whole you know that opening daddy made you some content is just kind of like uh the feels for me actually i think i think the note that it starts out on isn't necessarily funny to me and i i, I kind of like was like what is this this is not like, you know, I, I don't know if this is really and this is what I've heard about him before. He's not really necessarily about making you laugh, you know, like and kind yeah, of and the, I, go I, ahead. I, yeah. There's a great gif that people often 
show, which is it's like a guy reading polite chuckle magazine. And he's like, (laughs) (laughs) it's like sort of similar. Like he's he's very heady and his lyrics are very. um, uh, Well, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but his lyrics are very lyrical. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But in in a sense, they are like overly. um, They're they're comedic in a way that I like consider like a. A McSweeney's is comedic. You know what I mean? Where it's like, it's clever, more clever than it is funny. That's mm-hmm. what I'm kind of going for. Which I really appreciate. And, and I think the moment when I actually got into like starting to laugh out loud is kind of when I started to get into the demented energy of it. When Sako comes out and starts talking, that's when I started genuinely like. Oh, Sako's oh very funny. God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sako's very, very funny. And and I, and, uh, I don't think the first one really worked for me just because like I heard a lot of like how are white guys going to help? But there is a yeah. good point where I like, but even then there's some good laugh lines where especially he goes like, maybe I should just shut up. And then he sits for like five seconds. He's like, I'm bored. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and just keeps going in mm-hmm. the song. Uh, he's definitely like that. His, his, uh, his comedy tends to be more in that kind of realm of, of he, he reminds me a lot of another comedian called Tom Lair. who's a really amazing sixties satirical piano player and, and comedian has very like, odd weird things and dark humor and uh his most famous song i think maybe is the one where it's uh uh about being blown up in a nuclear holocaust but it's done like a joplin ragtime <laughs> kind of song huh. and i think that's kind of part of it is like you know especially with Sako is a good example where he's playing like a he purposely has like the most like child entertainer mike he could find Mm -hmm. (laughs) and he's like lit himself and is playing in a very like you know like like child theater kind of yeah 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 exactly i think and i think that so so i should just say quickly because i'm rambling um i i've watched i'm the opposite where i've watched bo burnham pretty much since he premiered um you know his first song uh, which he shows him watching himself, which is you know very interesting, very surreal. I love that. Um, yeah. uh, I've I've heard it eight thousand times as a kid, and then I really liked him, and then he got really popular, and then because he's the same age as me, I got very jealous. <laughs> even though I was never going to be a comedian musician, that's not the career I would ever have wanted. But you know, it's just inherently something <laughs> that happens, I think, for some people. And so I fell off of him, and then you know, um, Make Happy I came back and. Uh, Really appreciated how much he is he has grown. Um, I think a comedic singers are very tough to sustain themselves. And for a kid who started so young, um, the fact that he's matured a lot and and eighth grade I thought was great. It was one of my favorite movies of the year came out. Um, and so I've just been really enjoying him. So I was kind of primed to very much be excited for this. And and I was like instantly into it when he says like I made some content because that's very much like a for his fans kind of thing of like, like I made you content. I'm back. Please. I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know what this is. Here kind is of thing, which I think something. Is, I don't know what it is, but here, here you go. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and the other thing about it I find very fascinating is it is about the act of creating itself. And that's so difficult to do without becoming 
pretentious and insufferable. Which he calls himself but, out on for a second, right? That's one of my favorite, I think that's one of the most probably intellectual heady bits is when he uh, does like a little ditty and then he comments on it and then he comments on him commenting on it and then it just goes yeah. like two more layers to where it gets absolutely absurd. And he, he's like, oh, well, I'm being pretentious. Like, no, actually that's a coping mechanism when I say that to, to, to deflect uh, other criticism. Okay. <laughs> that's just, I relate to that very deeply and I found it very funny and relatable. And in the context of what he's trying to do in the space that he is, I, I, I love that bit, especially for sure. Yeah. If you had told me that he was a musical comedian and nothing else, I would be, I would be you know, I, I, I think I hear musical comedy and I think of something like, the the hoedown from sign is it anyway or something like that which is exactly like I might right. I might call in and that that is like my least favorite segment on that show but like it's uh it, it's it's so much more than that like it, it I think it holds its own as music and then it's also comedy yeah no there, he's very good at writing very catchy songs I mean I think that's part of it that is very interesting he has a good voice he has a very good control over um, piano that is I I don't even want to say simple because I'm not sure, but it's definitely very catchy in that kind of like chord progression pop song way. Um, And he's very good at uh, production and things like that, which I think is what kept him above just being a kid singing funny songs in his mom's room for a while. Mm -hmm. You know, like this is why he was so popular, even if part of me is like. When he's like talking about like, oh, when I was 27, I built a birdhouse. I was like, when you were 27, you made a very critically acclaimed movie that was like on top of many people's best of the year list. You're fine. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like there's part of me where I'm like, when I know him, I'm like, shut up, Bo Burnham. I am that 30 year old. You're not that 30. <laughs> I know. I, I, there, it's that joke that he, uh, I can't remember which song it is, but he's like, well, I'm not very good at guitar singing, but uh, here you go. And, uh, you know, he, 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 I guess he knows what he's doing there. And, and part of me is like, you, you shut up now. You, you know that, like, you're good. Stop it. But, like, uh, I, it, it's still just relatable enough to, that it's still funny, I think, when he makes those kind of self-deprecating jokes like that. Yeah. Mm. Oh, yeah. And I think what helps the special along in general is, is that sense of, um, one of my favorite moments, which is like, again, he, he's very good at undercutting himself. Um, and I think this one is just so it just kind of sums up a lot of 2020 for like me in particular. And I'm sure a lot of people where he just goes on like this, like a two minute long rant about the the horrors of technology and basically being like, why did we sell? Like maybe giving away all of our data was a terrible idea. And then a little bit of a pause and he goes, I'm horny <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it's like, that is just that that level of frustration of like just being stuck and alone it's just like oh mm-hmm. kind of special yeah so so what are some songs that kind of stuck out to you uh, or, or moments too because there's some good sketches as well there's a couple like uh just not not mostly it's songs or, or little interstitial bits but there are some sketch stuff it, it's definitely welcome to the internet uh as as just this personifying the internet itself as this absurd carnival barker like <laughs> you know it, it, i love shit about everything you know the whole thing's very postmodern, <laughs> but um you know, like it, and you see it creating itself, but stuff like that. And it's similar to the Sako thing where he's like Marxism comes out of his mouth in one minute. And unlike the next point that Sako has is like a conspiracy, uh, 
a conspiracy theory. You know, it's just like, uh, and it all sounds like equally plausible and insane at the same time. <laughs> like, right. Yeah. Right. I, I think, and he does a great job in that with camera angles where he's like switching uh, towards this as it kind of pushes in and he's like mm-hmm. switching between camera angles and the part that just absolutely slayed me when I first watched it oh, was yeah. just a, here's a healthy breakfast tip cut. You should kill your mom. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> holy shit. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, and Obama's coming to vaccinate your kids. That's when he really ramps he ramps up the the cuts. Back oh, and no, forth on that. it's Obama sent the immigrants yes, to vaccinate your kids. Right. It's all of them. It's all right. three. <laughs> <laughs> and and that kind of stuff is what really works for me is when he gets to that kind of weird hyper specific things about modern communication and stuff. Yeah, somebody uh, pointed out joke. that just, he rhymed like. Uh, car karaoke or something with Steve Aoki and just what an achievement in and of itself that is. (laughs) (laughs) Well, that song is the one that I keep coming back to is very indescribable and a very interesting. It's a very interesting premise for a song, which is basically just like listing things that could or could not exist. And they all seem as plausible Mm -hmm. where he lists things that are real, like carpool karaoke, and then he says stuff like the Surgeon General's pop-up shop, which is such a fucking brilliant, weird thing that could happen. <laughs> like it just is so odd. And it's just like he just captures the surreality of living in modern time mm-hmm. with that song. Yeah. It's not necessarily the funniest song or the one that kind of sticks out, but it's, oh, the it's one I go back by to far the most depressing in my book. <laughs> I think I think that it's song intense. is yeah. More, I mean, it's kind of like that song is more like I mean, it's upbeat and melancholy at the same time, like a lot of music that I love. It, but it is in that more depressing than like the more down stuff towards the end. I think even because it it gets across to me more. Yes, yes, and well, like the the line like googling derealization and like freaking out or something like that it's like uh yeah i've done that yeah (laughs) before that sounds about right Uh, if you're a heavily anxious person who spends too much time online this one might uh might hit you once or twice Mm -hmm. yeah 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 and it's one of those things too where it's like like, I don't know how much to read into it as a political statement or just as a kind of observation of modern weirdness of that. Like the, the soccer thing is a good example of that, where it's like we're all talking about like what we were taught as children is an incredibly sanitized version of history. But then it's also like the surreality of a children's entertainer saying unbelievably brutal, honest things about the world. (laughs) Absolute nightmare fuel. But then it also is a commentary on like power dynamics at the end. But it's about a sock. (laughs) It's like, how much should I take this seriously? And how much should I just shut up and enjoy this weirdness of it all? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think if you, I don't really have anything bad to say about it per se. I think he, you know, I like the the watching a thing construct itself where you see him editing it back and forth and that's just part of it. I like that. I, I think the last couple of numbers towards the end, I mean, they're all still good, but I, 
I think he attempt. I, I think you can see the attempt to impose na- a narrative a, a little more towards the end, and I'm not sure it comes yeah. to like a final point for me uh, necessarily. I think maybe maybe the last couple of numbers kind of run together for me. I don't have a good like. I kind of want to rewatch it because I don't have a good sense of of like you know where kind of how the the last bits pull together. Or like come to a conclusion necessarily, but I right, I do right. love the point where he goes outside and he's on stage and he tries to go in and the crowd starts laughing. At I I do love that point. That point makes total sense to me. <laughs> yes, right, 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 right. Yeah, for sure. And and when he talks about pre- just then like a few minutes ago about his panic attacks and the fear of going outside mm-hmm. and everything, it's like I think it, I think it makes a lot of sense and um. I think it it's tough because part of the 2020 experience was feeling incredibly fragmented and like time ran together. And I like, you know, he goes, he sometimes he's incredibly jubilant and just uh, sometimes he's unbelievably uh, pessimistic. And then sometimes he's like, fuck it, like burn the whole world down. I love that number. That number is like a genuine banger, the the put your hands up song where Uh, it's like this really beautifully filmed, like he's in a giant concert, but he's all by himself, obviously. And and, and it just has this like epic arena feel, but he's all by himself and it's all kind of like has this global warming element about like the, you know, the world is ending, but you know, let's just get inside and live the life we have now or whatever and it's like there's something really powerful about all that all stuff and i agree the ending is interesting i i think that's part of my my one qualm of the movie though that i'm getting to is that even though i totally get why it's fragmented and i and i appreciate the difficulty of imposing a narrative on that i think because he does try to go in a very lynchian uh uh surrealist ending that it just doesn't leave with quite a punch I would like. Whereas I think like the, the last two songs are good enough to kind of leave it that. And I feel like he tried to, I agree that the part where he goes outside is very funny, but I think the, the final sequence just doesn't quite overall work for me. And it doesn't quite land in like a, and, and I only say that in like a, this could have been like perfect kind of way, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I totally also understand this was a one year long behemoth that, only he has an incredibly personal stake in and like, you know, I, I get why he wanted to end it that way. I guess I just didn't personally find it as effective, but I also am just so impressed. He actually finished it. Oh God. <laughs> like, like released it. a project like this. Like, yeah. I mean, you can, I, as far as the whole, you know, watching him struggle to edit together and breaking down at some point, I, I totally believe as far as all that goes, the difficulty of trying to finish something like this is like, cause it well, is so it's, fragmented. It's very much about that very specific act of creation where it's only you, mm-hmm. which I think any person who's written a novel or, or made their own, you know, whatever, like YouTube videos or all kinds of stuff or movies or anything where it's all you and there is no deadline. There's no person watching over you. It's only on you to like set the schedule and, build the narrative and finish it and i love the part where he's just 
I like that he even when he's doing like a weird rant, he has to light himself beautifully, which is great. Mm. He has this like really weird light on his head and he's just like, um, so I will never finish this because if I finish this, then um, I have nothing to do with my life ever. <laughs> so uh, I'm never going to get done and no one's watching this and fuck you. And I'm like, oh, buddy, I've been there a million times. I get it. I get it. When you put just so much into something and you're like, well, now I've wasted all the time. Mm-hmm. So... If I ever finish it, then I know I wasted time, so I'll just never finish it. It's like it's a very interesting view of like, oh, that makes sense why, you know, Orson Welles never finished his last movie. Or, all or kinds of people, we you know? will never know how Game of Thrones ends. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, Maybe we'll ne- exactly. Exactly. You know, man, if, I have come so Martin close to it. buying all of those paperbacks so many times thinking, hey, he's going to finish the books and they're going to be in demand and the price is going to go up. Should I buy them now? And I'm like, no. No, it's never going to happen. <laughs> I still don't own them. I've listened to them, but I still don't own them. I'd like to. I know. Yeah. I know. You um, then, uh, you saying uh, bringing up the lighting again real quick reminded me. We haven't actually talked about probably my favorite number yet. A white woman's Instagram. Oh, my God. You should win the best cinematography award for that. I just so like, dead on. I, I, I That is how I first heard the... Um, how I first heard about this is someone talking about that number specifically and the moment where the, um, the frame pulls out and it seems to be sincere for a moment in, 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 uh, yeah. in, in the, this progression of, you know, uh, taking what is otherwise maybe like a pot shot at some very comedic low hanging fruit about Instagram, <laughs> but executed beautifully. Um, and I, I had heard, Another interpretation, I was curious what you thought if someone was like, no, it's more, it's that people will turn anything into content and it's actually about this woman like processing her grief in in a unhealthy way by putting it on Instagram. And I I don't really believe that. I want to believe that it's like there's sincerity in in somewhere in all of this. I think there's sincerity because I've listened to these songs too many times. So if you listen to White Woman's Instagram, you'll notice there's a progression of a story, which is that he'll say a couple holding hands. Then he mentions that she mentions a boyfriend. Then he mentions a wedding ring. So it is very much like you are living this woman's vicarious life through her Instagram. And what I think he is getting at personally is I think he's getting at is the weirdness of social media that so much of it is just like posture and trying to give like the best version of yourself. But there is often honesty there too. Like that. Yes. When you follow someone's Instagram and not everybody, but, 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 but definitely a lot of people, there are moments where it, it's almost like you are in a little window to someone's life and there's a little bit more vulnerability to, and, and Instagram is specifically built around like a perfected mm-hmm. <laughs> shot and the perfect look and everything. Um, and, and I think but it's also less toxic kind of than something like that. Twitter or something for sure. Like Megan just got an which is why it I'm works like into it now a little bit. I don't, I don't know. I'm not gonna no. I'm about to say it's the one, you know. But I can definitely see that. Right. That's why it works for this one. It's it's about the tropes. It's not like and I, and why I don't. I think it skirts that line of not. You know when you when you say white woman's Instagram, it sounds like you're gonna be really toxic and mean. But it's just genuinely like a a love for the. Uh, it, it almost feels like kind of a camp appreciation of it mm-hmm. in a sense of like, 
it's so specific and so cheesy that it's kind of heartwarming because he's like, is this heaven or is this a white woman's Instagram? Yes, exactly. Like, I do think there's an inherent like it just looks like such a weird, comfy life, <laughs> even if it is. I'm glad you brought up camp because I've been thinking about it a lot recently. Uh, we've been discussing it a lot, uh, especially in the light of Corolla. And like, I think camp, my definition of camp anyways, it's like the purest form of irony. Like there's a grain of sincerity in it. It's not yes. like cynical irony, you know, like that's yeah, the difference, yes, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. C- camp is like a, from what I remember from, and 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 God knows there's a million different definitions for these things in, in education and elsewhere. I mean, you're supposed to read the Susan Sontag stuff. if you really want to be like intellectual and academic yes. about it. But right. I still haven't actually read right. it. So that's not I know. And, the, and, and they're the ones who defined it and everything. But like generally what I view of camp is 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 like understanding that it is, you know, not of like significant caloric you know value in a sense but that there is an element to appreciate about it kind of thing you know i think that's where it kind of caloric value i like that you know what i mean it's uh it's not like it's not like the healthiest salad in the world but you know there's something that that cheeseburger was beautifully made though nonetheless Mm -hmm. kind of thing yeah and and it's a certain thing like someone mentioned about um Andy Warhol, which I find fascinating, which is when Andy Warhol died and they cleaned out his house. Andy Warhol was a hoarder of just interesting, weird kitsch crap, you know, as you'd as you'd expect from from a guy like Andy Warhol. He just loved weird, chintzy shit. And there is boxes of this stuff. And now it has value because it was Andy Warhol's collection of weird, chintzy shit. But it didn't have inherent value before Andy Warhol owned it. You know what I mean? And so it's this, I think camp is this sort of understanding that things that are outside of the realm of, of, of what is considered high art still have value. And I think that's what he's saying. It's like, yeah, there's tropes and and stuff you can mock about Instagram, but there's like an inherent kind of joy about it too, I think in some ways. And I do think Instagram tends to be particularly that kind of Instagram, not like the, the, the Instagram that's more focused on beauty standards and stuff that can be very toxic but that kind of instagram can tend to feel a little more um certainly less toxic than a twitter I mean, oh, yeah. uh, anywhere on the internet is toxic I mean, that's but the, uh, that's the, easy the levels comparison. of toxicity yeah. <laughs> yeah. seem lower <laughs> yeah yeah oh. yeah i think that might uh that might sum up kind of bo burnham's philosophy yeah. a little bit too I, i'm definitely more interested in him after this i i'm gonna go watch make happy is on netflix still i think and uh, i kind of really want to see eighth grade too i think so yeah i mean eighth grade's very interesting and he's a very i mean the, the one thing you come across is that he's a very talented director he's he really knows how to film this space very well he comes up with very interesting effects i mean all he really has is a camera with a zoom like an automatic zoom lens i assume um and some led lights and a projector and what he could do with that is genuinely very impressive and i think he um comes up with some very interesting stuff oh one more song i want to shout out is uh he has made my ultimate i'm feeling like crap song 
which is the I'm feeling like shit song. Uh, I love happy songs about feeling like garbage because it's very much a feeling I understand where it's just like, I feel terrible today. <laughs> and so, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah just sure. appreciate that he uh, he brought that to the world. Yeah, for sure. All right. Shall we score this thing? Shall we? I mean, it is a film. It is very different. I don't know. It's also technically I, I, a comedy I special. I agree. It's but, a film. Yeah. So. I agree. It's a film. It has a conclusion. It has a narrative arc. You know. Yeah. I I understand that sometimes with certain specials, it's tough to to justify if it's a film or not. But like, I I think you know if I consider something like, um, and this is this is different, but like, stop making sense mm-hmm. as definitely a film. I, I feel like this counts too. Yeah. You know. I, I'm sure there are a million think pieces about it. <laughs> or I, I know there are a million think pieces about this generally. I haven't read any of them yet. Uh, but <laughs> There are a lot out there. Yeah. I want to read a really negative review. I need to find one. Yeah. Someone's been very positive. I'm very curious what kind of, there has to be some kind of backlash when something is this praised. Yeah. When it first comes out. The only other significant criticism I've even heard about is like kind of the thing where he's like, can anybody shut the fuck up? And then <laughs> proceeds to make like, all like a broad swath of like satire on just like everything but i i you know i think it kind of all still fits for me i don't necessarily agree with that criticism but or but i haven't thought about i I think also like i think yeah and i think part of that is like you have to read so much of this as like it's part of that weird mental instability of being shut up and like going from being totally angry about stuff and then going like, I just need it. I just need it to make me sane. <laughs> like, you know. So that's my take, my two cents. All right. Um, what are you going to give uh, inside if you can? I'm going to rate this quite highly as kind of the definitive, <laughs> very comforting take on the pandemic that also just fits like to 2021. Not that the pandemic is over, but. Uh, you know, that still feels relevant after lockdown and dealing with a lot of these feelings and uh, where we're at. Uh, I, I'm going to give it a nine. I, I really was very moved by the music. And like you said, his 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 eye, I think, is very good as well. So, um, yeah, I really related pretty deeply to a good, good, good lot of this. Uh, yeah, I, I, I really like it. Awesome. Uh, I'm gonna, yeah, I'll also give it a nine. Um, it's, it's, it's not perfect, but I think there is just so much good in here. Part of it is tough is that like as a Bo Burnham fan, a redeemed <laughs> Bo Burnham fan, um, I'm just very happy for him. I'm also just, a, just as an artistic person, just impressed with someone can put in the work and make something genuinely interesting. And clearly there's a lot of effort and that's put in there. Effort doesn't always equal success. I just think it's something where it's just like, I don't know. There's a wholesome part of me that watches it when you just is showing him like setting up lights and recording a test song and like showing how he edited the words together and like premiere to get the timing right or whatever. Like, yeah, it's, there's just something there. It's like, I don't know. It's the same. It's the same part of me that like loves the Lord of the Rings five hours, 15 uh, hours of I'm, uh, <laughs> behind the scenes I've, footage. I've, I've almost finished the Fellowship one. I, I'm going to do that someday because I, I do enjoy that too. But I'm I'm also a very like, I, I don't even watch a lot of films because I'm so like commitment phobic to like sitting down for any length of time. So. I understand. <laughs> but I'm, I am going to finish those. Those are someday, like. Because they are good. 
those are like warm blankets to me. Mm. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Just, just, just talk to me about how you, uh, screen, uh, with the, the, there's like a part where he's like, Oh, I did like digital miniatures with like a little pin camera. I'm like, Oh, just keep talking. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, for um, me, it's Christopher Lee talking about like getting all his lines oh, down and, and worrying about the, like the language and everybody like experiencing the presence of Christopher Lee. <laughs> it's that, that. Oh, yeah. oh, that's good stuff. But, uh, yeah. Where he's like, I think I know what it's like to kill a man. And you're like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, uh, I think overall the special is very impressive. Um, I, I like that it's a mix of a lot of things. I like that it's not just a series of songs in order. It is interrupted by interesting stuff. I, I appreciate that it kind of hit a lot of things. Uh, another part I, I forgot to mention that I just think is hilarious is he does like a kind of parody of like a GQ video almost where he's like a brand. Oh, that's conscious, my other favorite one. Brand. That is so fucking funny. So funny. After all the like the, the, COVID sensitive ads, especially that made it feel oh, like we were just living in an alternate sci-fi apocalypse dimension. That is just, it was so it's cathartic. such a perfect. Yeah. It's just the part where he's like, what is your take on race? Bagel bites. <laughs> like, I don't think you could have thought of a funnier company yeah. to name. So good. Yeah. Um, and and I, I think there's just an understanding of satirical take on a modern time while still being light, but still being serious. I think it threads that needle incredibly well. Like I said, I, I genuinely find this, the last two songs very emotional and powerful. Um, I, I think I just wish it was a little more coherent, but I totally understand this is a weird, crazy project that he just did to keep himself sane. The fact that it's any kind of congealing is kind of amazing. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, uh, but Bo Burnham keep making stuff, man. I hope he, hope he keeps doing it. So the movie game podcast gives Bo Burnham inside a nine. So definitely, definitely check this out. It's only 90 minutes. It's on Netflix. It's easy to watch. You're going to find something in it, I think, you know, even if it's uh, not not 100% your cup of tea, I think there's something that's going to work for you there. For sure. All right. All righty. And I think that'll do it for the Movie Gang podcast this week. Uh, what are you all talking about in over in uh, Animania right now? Uh, we're on a little bit of a hiatus. Um, I'm trying to remember what the last episode we recorded about. We, we do them like two weeks at a time. Uh, recently so i can't actually remember your brain is just full of anime yeah 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 yeah. just over over bursting with stuff well always check out animania whatever they're talking about this week is going to be awesome as always we also got feast for bros we got geek space nine we got pen and paper pot i think y'all were finishing up your season uh over there Uh, yeah we just had a really deeply emotional build uh year in the making episode where my my character went through some shit and uh got some serious catharsis and now i am having to hardcore role play and figure out if it makes any sense for me to even keep adventuring after that. So, wow, wow, it's, uh, it's, that's I don't know. I have some thinking to do tea about that. It's gonna work. I love, I love when it gets emotional. It's always my, there's a meme I love, which is like uh, the first day of a D campaign. It's like, hello, I'm clown penis. Mm-hmm. I am made of fire. And then it's like the 48th day of an adventure. It's like, clown penis, no. And he's like, go on without me. Just live your life, friends. And it's like, yeah, yeah. It always just gets so emotional. accurate. And I love it. Accurate. Yeah. <laughs> 
Alrighty, gang. Well, thank you all for listening. Thank you all for supporting us in this uh, wonderful time. Be sure to like, subscribe, rate, and review us. Be sure to find anything. Uh, and you know what? I don't care what Apple Podcast says. It's subscribe. They can call it follow all they want. <laughs> it changed the verbiage to follow. Apple doesn't dictate what I do. Um, no, nope, just the marketplace. Uh, <laughs> just the just the overall marketplace, and everyone else will change it to follow. It's like they got rid of the freaking jack. Oh my god. Anyways different matters um but uh, just be sure to go to testingchat.com to make sure to see all of our awesome stuff that we are working on and we hope you will come back next week i believe we'll be talking about in the heights in the or we already heights. just talked about in the heights depending on when this was released but either way <laughs> that episode will be around and it's going to be fun. go see in the, the heights is fun. go see it in a theater in the theater in the theater it was only number two this weekend it fucking drove me crazy yeah. Ugh. Yeah, people don't talk about it's it. It's a beautiful film. How dare you? Go yell at people in the theater. Yeah. You need to see that. All right, y'all. Thank you. Bye.